0: today is in 1st John's GESK 20- sermon series today. And I'm calling this sermon series GESK 2020. GESK 2020. That is G-E-S-K. The, the term isn't a reference to a small village in Iran with the same name. It's an acronym. And TVC Saints, y'all know how much a pastor loves acronyms. I love them. GESK 2020 stands for General Election Survival Kit 2020. General Election Survival Kit 2020. We all need this survival kit. It's only available here at the Village Church. You can't get it from Amazon. You can't get it from Dollar General, Dollar Tree, or even Walmart. This survival kit will hopefully provide you with some resources that will help you navigate this toxic and divisive general election. Resources that will help you not lose your everlasting mind. Resources that will help you stand firm in the hope that Christ gives. Resources that will hopefully help you not break fellowship and end relationships because of the results of this election. Resources that will help each of you function with a spirit of humility, compassion, and teachability. Resources that will help you not fall into hopelessness or sprint off into false hope. The first resource in this general election survival kit is from the passages that Amos read, and I call this resource Spiritual Swagger. Spiritual Swag. Well, what in the world do you mean by that, Pastor Alex? Well, I'm going to explain it. You see, swagger is about, swagger has to do with the way people carry it themselves. It's their style, their dress, their talk, their walk, their function, their, their lifestyle. You either have it or you don't. In, a, in an article that I found online, it says, swagger is about attitude. It's a matter that incorporates style but not wholly dependent upon it. And most of all, swagger is about conduct. And so is spiritual swagger. It's about how believers in America are going to conduct themselves during this general election. It's about how we're going to function in our church, in our families, in our relationships, even on social media during this election season. It's about how you're going to behave whether your candidate wins or loses. So, how are y'all conducting yourselves? How are y'all behaving? How have y'all functioned this week? Do you have spiritual swag? Do you? Before I move forward with this message, I ask you to pray with and for me and ask the Holy Spirit to bless the preaching of God's word. Holy Spirit, as I often pray um, each week, I pray that you will be the counselor, that you will be the helper like none of us can understand scripture apart from you just because i went to seminary just because i got a seminary degree doesn't mean i have wisdom and discernment all that comes from you spirit and so my prayer is that you will minister to my heart and to my mind as you minister to the hearts and minds of of everyone that is here like you do that holy spirit That is your role. That is your job. You're the third person of the Godhead. You're not the C team. You're just as important as the Father and the Son. So you know what we need to hear. You know what we're dealing with. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you will move and that you will guide. It's in Christ's name that I pray. Amen. The first step to having uh, this spiritual swag is that you've got to first be a child of God. That's primary. That's primary. You see, throughout this letter, John constantly refers to his readers as children or as beloved. He, he calls it, the readers here in, in verse 18. He calls them children. See, these are descriptive terms for people who have saving faith in Jesus. You can't have spiritual swag without knowing Jesus as Savior and Lord, period. You have to be born again. You you have to be a new creation in Christ. And so the question is, is do you know Jesus? The real Jesus, not Plato Jesus. Churches in America are filled with people who really don't have genuine faith in Christ. Do you think all the pagans live outside of the church? No, they do not. we, We are in community with some of them. They're lost in their sin and don't even know it. And their perceived goodness blinds them. And sometimes it's the teaching that they're receiving that keeps them blind. Our cities, our communities, and our schools are filled with people who do not know Jesus. The harvest is plentiful. But it's the church going to the masses. For those of you who don't have faith in Christ, then today is the day where you can. As one hymn says, come ye, heavy, come ye, sinner, who are are heavy laden, lost and ruined by the fall. If we tarry to you better, you will never come at all. If you think the results of this election is going to save you, you are sadly mistaken. If that's where you're placing all your hope, you're going to be sadly disappointed. Man does not save. Governments does not save. Jesus saves. Did you know him? Do you know him? Jesus wants you to come to him. Listen, he comes into the world to save sinners, not good, righteous people. He comes to save sinners, not people who have it all together. Sinners. And that means people who are enemies of God. That's who he comes to save. He comes to change them into friends and sons and daughters. First John says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So if you don't know Jesus today, confess, acknowledge, confess and acknowledge your sin to him. Your sin of unrighteousness and your sin of self-righteousness. Both will damn you to hell. Repent of that sin. And then ask Jesus to be your Savior and Lord in your life. And guess what? He'll do it. He'll forgive and he'll receive you. He'll make you right with God. Do you know what he had to do so that you can be made right with God? Do you know what he had to do? He had to die. He had to lose his life to make that possible. 1 John 1 2 said, and 2 in the message, message, Bible says, When Jesus served as a sacrifice for our sins, he solved the sin problem for good, not only for us, but also for everybody else. He solved that problem. Apart from him, the problem does not get solved. Again, what are you looking for during this election season? Who is really your savior? Christian? Functionally, not what you say in Sunday school, not what you say on Sunday morning, in the places where you really live, who is your Savior? When you're on social media, who is your Savior? When you're having conversations in your groups and clubs, who is your Savior? Who do you really represent? Remember, you can't have this kind of spiritual swag without having Jesus as your Lord and Savior first. You've got to have that first. You can't have it if you're not a child of God. Nor can you have this kind of swag if you are a child of God, but you don't live like one. Because some of you have been Christians forever. Probably since you were yay high. But do you live like a child? Or do you live like a practical atheist? Do you live as if God is not on his throne? Again, what does your lifestyle say? What does your lifestyle say? For those of you who have saving faith in Jesus, are you living in that reality? For those of you who are children of God, are you living in the reality of your sonship and and your daughtership? You see, living out of those realities is part of having spiritual swagger. It's knowing who you belong to and knowing who you are. Some of you all don't even know who you are. To whom do you belong, saints? And who are you? Who are you? What has this general election revealed about you and your tribes that you are a part of? What has it revealed about where you're trying to find your identity? What labels have you placed in front of your Christianity to tell you who you are and who you belong to? Please listen and understand. In Christ, all Christians belong to God, period. I don't have my amen sign because it's right there. I don't feel like reaching for it. In Christ, all Christians are sons and daughters. You are children, not orphans. You are the beloved, not the unloved. You are in union with Jesus. You're not in union with anyone else or anything else. You're not in union with this country. You're not in union with your political party or your candidate. You're not in union with nationalism. You're not in union with your tribe and your groups and your social movements. That is why John says in verse 15 and 16, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. All that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father but from the world. You are in union as a Christian with Christ alone. And if you're trying to add to that, you are living in idolatry. Your life is no longer your own. Well, what do you mean by that, Alex? It all belongs to Jesus. Your time, your talents, and your treasures are his. Well, again, what, is that, what does that mean, Alex? It means he tells you how to use them is what that means. He ain't just your Savior. He is also your Lord and King. He owns you in everything you got. Do you submit to that? Colossians 1 Corinthians 6 verses 19 and 20 says, you are not your own. You were bought as a, at a price. You were bought at a price. Jesus didn't pay $5 for you. He didn't pay 99 cents for you. He died for you, shed blood for you, was beaten for you. A beating that was meant for you. The price was his life. And he dies for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rises again. Christians with spiritual swagger, they live for Christ. That's who they live for. That's who they believe for. That's who they breathe for. And they do that by being and functioning as sons and daughters of their heavenly father. They don't need labels and adjectives in front of their Christianity to tell them who they belong to and who they are. They don't need to say, well, I'm a liberal Christian or well, I'm a conservative Christian. I'm a social justice Christian. I'm this type of Christian. They know who they are because they've been redeemed by their father. If you need an adjective to tell you who you are as a Christian, then you really don't know who you are. You really function as a pagan. Don't even know it. If you're living in Christ, if you know your union with Christ, that is enough. You don't need an adjective. You don't need a label. Christians with swagger, they they know who they belong to and they know who they are. And, and, And the way they conduct themselves reveals both. The way they carry themselves throughout this general election is going to reveal both of those. Have swag, saints. Live differently because you are different than Christ. Live differently because you are differently. Rise above the chaos. Rise above it. No other group of people in the world has the Holy Spirit living in them supernaturally but us. But yet we navigate this life as if he's not real. We allow people who aren't Christians to do our job for us and then we complain about the way they do it. Get up off your butt and do it yourself. People who have a healthy relationship with food they pay close attention to the food they eat. They, they try not to mindlessly consume food like zombies. When they go to the grocery store and, 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 and shop, they don't aimlessly put food into the cart. They read the food label first. Why do they read the food label, Pastor? They want to see the list of ingredients in the food. The ingredients is what make the food healthy or unhealthy. It's not the name. It's not the brand. It's not the face on the package. Read the food label. Look at the ingredients. Christians with spiritual swag read the food label. They look at the ingredients in the books, teachings, articles, theologies, blogs, sermons, and ideologies they take in. They just don't settle for the name and the brand and the face delivering it to them. Spiritual swagger helps you eat the meat and spit out the bones. For whatever you read and whatever you listen to. It pushes them to read primary sources about a particular subject, not just regurgitate what you heard from secondary sources. They aren't fooled by the familiar, the pretty package or the clever platform. They guard their faith because it's important to them. They pay close attention to who and to what they allow to speak into their life. They do this because they know the truth for themselves. And knowing the truth is the next step to having spiritual swagger. Look at verses 20 and 21. Paul says, but you have been anointed by the Holy One and you have knowledge. I'll write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it. And because no lie is of the truth. This anointing by the Holy One is a reference to the Holy Spirit. Please know that. It's a reference to the Holy Spirit. Now, sweating I don't have my handkerchief all right the Holy Spirit who is the third person in the Godhead and he supernaturally lives in every single believer he abides in them and he abides in each of you if you have saving faith in Jesus in verse 27 John says but the anointing that you receive from him abides in you And you have no need for anyone to teach you, but as his anointing teaches you about everything that is true, and it is no lie, just as he has taught you, abide in him. The anointing by the Holy Spirit teaches and leads us into all truth as believers. This anointing from the Spirit is the reason why you can know the truth. There is no understanding of Scripture apart from the Spirit. There is no way to live it out apart from the Spirit. So what's the truth, right? So what is the truth? What's the list of ingredients that's in this truth that that John is is talking about? In verse twenty-seven, he 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 tells his readers that this truth is what they heard from the beginning. In verse 7, verses 7 through 11, this truth includes an old commandment that they heard from the beginning, and that is to love one another as Christ loves them. In verse 4, the truth is God's word. In chapter 1, verses 5 through 27, the, the truth is expressed by John in these words. The message that we heard from him and proclaimed to you is this, God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie. And do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sins. God's truth is not golden corral. Did that pass over some of y'all? I guess y'all don't eat the buffet lines. It's not a buffet line where you cherry pick the aspects of truth. That aligns with your worldview in politics. While you proudly pass over the aspects that challenges your worldview in politics. And some of y'all don't just pass over those aspects of truth. You deny them as if they're not God's truth at all. So you call them things like another gospel. That's legalism. That's anti-God. That's critical race theory. That's Marxism. That's social gospel. That's false doctrine. God's truth is holistic. It includes the whole counsel of God. And no Christian tribe in America has all that in themselves. If they did, then they may as well be on the same level as our Trinitarian God. It includes the whole gospel with all its implications for cosmic redemption, not just individual salvation. His truth includes gospel truth and gospel deeds. It includes God's heart for justice and God's hearts for truth. It includes God's heart for our salvation and God's heart for those who are stuck in poverty. He cares about that. He cares about our spiritual life and our physical life. He cares about both. Do we care about both? As his people. Do we care about both? The truth includes believing the right thing about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It includes that as well. God is light, and in him is no darkness. Jesus is the Christ, our advocate before the Father. He's your Redeemer and your King, and the Holy Spirit is your Counselor who anoints you to know and to understand truth. The Holy Spirit leads us in God's truth, and he also empowers us to be faithful and to live differently. That means we don't ever navigate this life in our own power and strength. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? God's truth also includes y'all having a right understanding about who y'all are as sons and daughters. Yes, you are the beloved. That's how God sees you. You're his treasured possession, but you're also messed up and have issues too. It's both and. You're beloved, but you got issues. That means you still struggle with sin. You have blind spots. That's why John says in verse, chapter 1, verse 8, he says, if you say you have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. In the verse 10, he says, if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and the truth is not in us. Do you see what he's done there? He's saying if you say you haven't sinned presently, you are deceived. And if you say you haven't sinned in the past, you tell God he's a liar. He covers it all. You are the beloved, but you still have areas of your life where Christ needs to bring resurrection. None of us are finished products. None of us are. We are works in progress. We are testimonies of God's grace. We are not symbols of his judgment. The truth calls us. To live lives of faith and repentance as believers. That's swag. That's swagger. It calls us to do what Paul says in Romans 12, 13. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. That's habitually. Humility about who you are. The truth calls us to also do what Romans 12, verses 1 and 2 says. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what the will of the Lord is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Christians with spiritual swagger, they strive to accept all aspects of God's truth, even the ones that are hard to accept, even the ones that challenges their worldview and even their um, politics. They don't cherry pick the truth. They strive to surrender and submit to it. Please understand this. This does not cater to you. Hope you know that. It does not cater to you. It's called you to die and surrender. If you come to God's word trying to cherry pick something, and you can come to God's word and cherry pick it to death to fit whatever you want it to fit. But if you are a Christian striving to have spiritual swagger, you come to God's word with your hands open saying, Father, teach me. Father, correct me. To Psalm 139 at the end, show, search my heart and show me if there's any way that's offensive to you. What do y'all think is the opposite of spiritual swagger? This is congregation participation time. This is why I wish I had a lot of kids here because they, they talk with me. It's spiritual gullible. They're spiritual gullible. Spiritual gullible Christians, they treat God's word like the golden corral. They cherry pick. And for some of these believers, they even allow other believers to do the cherry picking form because they're biblically illiterate. They don't know the truth. They, they don't study God's word. They don't read the word for themselves. They ha- and they have no clue what they believe theologically. Spiritual gullible believers do not read the food label. They don't look at the ingredients. All they care about is what's what's on the outside of the package. All they care about is the name, the brand, the platform, and the face delivering to them the so-called truth. If the teaching and views and ideas and theology comes from people in from their tribe, then it's all true. If it comes from people outside their tribe, oh, that stuff is false. That's not true. Gullible Christians. Don't fight, fact-check, and police their own tribe because they're too busy policing people outside their tribe. Because they assume their tribe has all the truth. And those outside of it do not. Are you spiritually gullible or do you have spiritual swag? What has this election season revealed about you? What does your social media activity reveal about you? And what has your response to the Breonna Taylor's case revealed about you? What has it revealed? Please hear and receive this. Wrong page. Where am I? Yes, here we go. Christians with spiritual swagger, they do what Ice Cube says in one of his rap songs. Check yourself. Before you wreck yourself, check yourself before you wreck yourself. That's the final step of having spiritual swag. Believers with this kind of swag check themselves first. They fact check the police their own tribe first because they know their tribe don't get it all right. If you think your tribe is always right about every single thing, then you're spiritually gullible. You are. What does it look like to to, to check yourself and your tribe first? In in chapter 4, verse 1, John gives us a description of what it looks like. He says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit. Test the spirit to see whether it's from God. You need to do that in your own tribe first. Human beings are, are, are fallen creatures. We don't get it all right. I don't get it all right. None of us do. And sometimes it takes people outside of our tribe to help us to see it this testing should take place in our own tribe first in our own church first in our own social movements first and also in our own political parties first John writes in verse in in chapter 2 verse 28 I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you guess where the guess who these deceivers are guess where they come from they don't come from outside their church they were part of the church that's a I need to get my sign. These were not people who was functioning outside their covenant community. These were people who were part of this visible church. They were part of the body. They were part. They were in relationship with some of these Christians. They were part of the Christian tribe. John says in verse 19, they went out from us. What does that mean? That I means at one point, they were part of us, but they were not of us. If they have been of us, they would have continued with us, but they went out for us that it might be made, become plain that we're, they were not of us. These deceivers and false prophets were part of this visible covenant community at one point. Think about that. They appeared to be part of them. Relationships, served in the nursery, prior to taught Sunday school, participated in the choir, a church officer, a church mother. On the surface, they looked like believers, they were in the community. But not of the community. And that same thing is always in play today. And they drifted away from the truth, from God, from the fellowship of the saints, because their faith wasn't real. Look at what John says about them in verse 22. He says, who is the liar? But he who denies that Jesus is the Christ. This is the antichrist. The one who denies the father and the son. And no one who denies the the son has the father. Whoever confesses the son has the father also. And in chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, he says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirit to see whether it comes from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus has come in the flesh, is from God, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. The spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard from now, is now in the world. But do you believe this? Do you see this? I need y'all to hear this and hopefully receive it. Christian nationalism that's in our country is the spirit of the Antichrist, period. That is not Christianity. It's a false doctrine with many false prophets who preach it. And many Christians in our churches today are really Christian nationalists, and they don't know it. But this election has revealed it to be true. You have pastors and Christian leaders saying, if you don't vote this way, then you ain't a real Christian. You have pastors and Christians saying that this political platform, that's pro-God and this one is anti-God. What kind of gospel is that? It's the gospel of Christian nationalism, which is not this gospel. You need to know that. You need to know that. There's no such thing as Christian nationalism because God is God of the world. Not one particular nation. All of this is his. All of it. And just know, Christianity is older in Africa than he is here. In, verse, in chapter 4, verses 4 through 8, he says, Little children, you are from God, and you have overcome these uh, spirit of the Antichrist, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They, these false prophets, are from the world. Therefore, they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. The one who lives in you, again, is a reference to the Holy Spirit. Do you tap into his power? Do you ever ask him, Spirit, help me to see? Or do you just receive everything taught? Like, if you don't leave here and fight check what I'm saying to you, then you're really spiritually gullible. You are. We need to fact check everything I say to see if it's consistent with this. Not Christian nationalism, but this. The truth, the spirit of truth is is another reference to the whole gospel, the whole counsel of God without cherry picking it. Christians with swagger, they, they strive to fact check themselves before wrecking themselves. They fact check their own tribe first. What about y'all? I shared this illustration uh, back in June. It's from uh, the Peanuts comic strip and and in it uh Snoopy is sitting on his dog, bent, dog house, typing on the typewriter. and so Charlie Brown walks up to him and saying, "I heard you're writing a book on theology." and walking away, Charlie Brown says to him, "I hope you have a good title." And Snoopy, he, 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 he stops looking up, he, he lifts his head in the air as he stops typing, and he says to himself, I have the perfect title. Then he drops his head and puts his paws on, on back on the typewriter, and this is his title. Has it ever occurred to you that you might be wrong? Has it ever occurred to you in your tribe that y'all might be wrong? Christians with spiritual swagger ask themselves this question and their tribe this question, you know, and it takes discernment, wisdom and humility to do it. And many of us don't have it. Because discernment is the ability to distinguish between what is true and what is false. It's the ability to eat the meat and spit out the bones and wisdom and humility. They free you to admit that all the teaching that comes from your tribe doesn't represent the whole counsel of God. They free you to admit that your tribe has blind spots and inconsistencies. I don't care if you're on the right or left. You don't have it all together. You really need one another. Your tribe isn't always right. And wisdom and humility, it free, they free you to acknowledge in itself that the teachings from the other tribe isn't, always, isn't, isn't another gospel. They free you to admit That you need one another. Have you ever thought about the fact that Christians who consider themselves right and left, the fact that they can't get along, it pleases the enemy and not the father? Because a church divided won't function well. He knows that. Some of us, the enemy is sitting back eating popcorn every time we get into it. Look at him. Got him right where I want him. Have you ever thought about that, that the enemy is the one that's rejoicing over our disunity, not Jesus, not the Father? And so, saints that are here, saints that are tuning in, this election season, I want you to have swag, not be spiritually gullible. I want you to walk with confidence, not in yourself, but confidence in who you belong to. And who you are. You don't have to navigate this country with fear. You are sons and daughters of Yahweh Elohim. You don't need anything else in front of your Christianity. You got enough. Live like it. And be salt and light where God has you. Let us pray. Father God, you are good, you are faithful, you are sovereign, you are wonderful, you have us. And you are not silent, you are not taking a break. If you have made a way to deal with the fall, you will make a way to deal with the things that we're dealing with now. So I pray that you will help us have a bigger picture of who you are. You are sustaining your church globally, Lord. If if the suffering church has been sustained We'll be sustained. You have Christians in in every type of country in this world. And under every type of government, you have Christians thriving. And here we are, freaking out about one election. Oh, us a little faith. Us a little faith. Help us give you some credit. You did create the world out of nothing. Our view of you is, is so small. Holy Spirit, give us a bit God theology. Give us a bit view of who the Father is, that he's larger than the box we put him in. So I pray as folks go out, if they go out into their week, that you will watch over them and sustain them and provide for them. And I pray for all of this in Christ's wonderful name. Amen. Will y'all please